You're listening to Ask the Expert on Sprott Money News. Hello and welcome back to this month's Ask the Expert here on Sprott Money News. I'm your host, Jeff Rutherford, and on the line with me today, we have Hugo Salinas Price. Hugo Salinas Price is the founder of Mexico's Electra retail chain. Electra began as a workshop assembling electronic appliances for the Salinas e Rochas chain, a small regional retailer of appliances. He is retired from the retail business, leaving it in the hands of his son. However, Hugo is currently president of the Mexican Civic Association Pro Silver AC, where for a number of years he has worked tirelessly to get Mexico to adopt a silver coin as legal currency. He has drawn worldwide attention to his plight with the Mexican government and has become a stalwart in expanding the awareness of gold and silver as real money. And with that, we'd like to welcome Mr. Hugo Salinas Price. Hello, Hugo. Thank you for joining us today, sir. Thank you, Jeffrey. I'm glad to be with you this, uh, this morning. I appreciate your comments and uh, I stand ready to answer any questions you may have. Excellent, Hugo. So, Hugo, I think it's important for our listeners to understand the historical context of what you've been trying to do in Mexico in regards to returning to a silver standard in Mexico. In your own words, could you describe what you've been trying to achieve through the Mexican Association Pro Silver AC? I'm delighted to do so. I, I was not working, first I should make it clear that I was not working to to put Mexico on a silver standard. No, not, uh, my, my project was not that ambitious. I was working mainly to put a silver coin into circulation as money with, together with our paper and digital money uh, that, that we have. And this, this, is, this is an original idea of my own and I feel rather proud of it because in monetary affairs, we haven't had a single original idea, well, I don't know, perhaps a hundred years or more. And I will explain why this, this idea of mine, what it's, where its originality resides. You see, in, 19, in the middle of the 1900s, about 1945, 50 or so, there was a lot of silver money in circulation in the world. A great many countries used silver to, to use for their coinage. And uh, the silver went out of circulation and disappeared and was melted out, down. What happened? Well, you see, the silver coins all had a monetary value engraved upon them. And, for instance, in the United States, you had 50-cent pieces, 25-cent pieces, quarters, and dimes, and these were silver coins. Now, they went out of circulation in the 60s. What happened? Well, the price of silver went up to such an extent that it went up above $1.29, which I won't explain exactly why that was an important figure, but that's the fact it was. When silver went over $1.29 an ounce, then the silver in the coins was worth more than 50 cents in the 50 cent pieces. It was worth more than a quarter in the quarter dollar, and it was worth more than a dime in the dime coin. So once the silver was worth more as silver than as money, it, it couldn't be used as money. It couldn't circulate anymore. Uh, that, 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 those coins were 
either uh, taken back by the government and then melted down, or else they went into private hordes because people would not spend a coin for 10 cents value when its value was 15 cents. Uh, I, I hope I'm clear, or they wouldn't hand over a 25 cent coin if the silver in it was worth 40 cents. Mm -hmm. uh, and they wouldn't hand over a 50 cent coin if the silver in it was worth 75 cents. They'd put it away because it was worth more as silver than as a money. That's why silver went out of circulation in Mexico, in the United States, and all over the world. So the way to, I thought about this many evenings of smoking my cigar, how the heck to put silver back into circulation when the price of silver continues to rise and rise. Now, when I was, was thinking about these things, silver was 350. And now it's, it's around 16 something because it's been held down or $17. That's ridiculously cheap. It will continue to go up in due course. Mm -hmm. But in order to put silver into the hands of the public as money, you'd have to have a coin that would have a, a value as money, but not engraved. In other words, you have to have a, a quote like you have on a stock. A stock has a floating value. It goes up and down according to the market. Uh, but in the case of money, you would have a quote given to the coin by the central bank or by the treasury, preferably, that would never fall. The quote would not fall, but it would rise with, the, with rises in the value of silver. Thus, the coin would always be money, and that uh, usable as money in any circumstance. And that would mean that the coin becomes much more desirable by people, because at present, even with the record sales of silver in the United States, People are saving these coins, but they have no monetary fixed or no monetary value determined. So if you want to use them as money, you can't. Suppose you have an accident or you need, you need to go to the supermarket to buy something. You can't pay for it with silver because it has no monetary value ascribed to it. So that was my plan, was making the savings of people to be usable as money in any emergency. And why do I say emergency? Well, because, because of Gresham's law, people will not be using these money, silver money coins as money to take payments unless they're in very difficult circumstances because people will always keep better money hoarded or saved and use the, the less, less valuable and less uh, the, the money that is less esteemed that is the money that they will use to make payments with if they can. But by turning silver coin into money with a floating value, which can only rise, then you have a, a, an enormous incentive for people to save in silver because their savings are, can be immediately used as money in any emergency and will grow in value uh, automatically over, over time as the price of silver continues to rise due to inflation. So that is, that is briefly, I hope I've made myself clear, Jeffrey. That, is my, that, is, that was the, the essence of the plan which mm -hmm. I proposed. But I met with obstacles because, of course, the central bankers hate real money. 
they really, I mean, it's, it's built into their system. This is what they learned as students in school and then in high school and in, and later on they were indoctrinated and trained at the proper universities in the, the use of, of paper money and a disregard or, or disrespect or outright hatred for real money. Mm-hmm. Because with paper you can manipulate a population and and these people are power mad and they think that they can run the country scientifically by manipulating all the le- all the necessary levers and, and they can produce prosperity automatically and satisfy the population and run things and and this is a this is absolutely a mistaken notion it it feeds on the desire for power and it does not produce good results completely ruins everything it throws everything out of kilter and that's where we are today everything is out of joint and i think that we are in for a big and sudden collapse as things finally cannot hold together very interesting very interesting hugo it's odd that uh, when oftentimes when people try to do the right thing that they encounter this sort of resistance that they encounter so i guess the first question right now in regards to your plight is how close are you to the reinstitution of the silver coinage in Mexico? And if you are, or if you were successful, how rapidly might this affect world currencies if it did come to pass? Let's take one one thing at a time. Sure. There is silver coinage going on right now. I have an interest in a, in a bank here in Mexico, which has 2,000 branches, and each branch sells silver coins. Uh, during the last month or so, we've been having trouble because the central bank is the one that controls minting. The national mint is under control of the central bank. And they have had a problem because the peso has been devaluing and uh, they they have suffered some losses, I think. And so they have thought over how to market their silver coins and they've taken a good long time to decide. Finally, they they are resuming the supply sometime before the end of this month. But this, uh, the, the minting of the silver coins is, is in the hands of the Mexican mint. I'd like to point out something that perhaps your listeners do not know, and that is that from 1535, when the Mexican mint was established in Mexico City, until 1907, when my father was born, Mexico used essentially the same the same coin as their money, the Mexican peso. It was called different by a different name. It was called a piece of eight, the, the Spanish piece of eight, which was the model for the U.S. dollar, by the the silver dollar, by the way. But we used that money, that those coins as money. And when my father was born in 1907, the midwife was paid with silver pesos which were had the same content of silver as the original pieces of eight of 1535 very close to not exactly but very close to the same weight mm-hmm. so that is really a remarkable a remarkable achievement of almost almost 400 years of the same of, the, of monetary stability and then we have a revolution and 
And since then, things have never been the same. Never been the same. So now to your second question. Well, it was more of a, a second part to the first question. So what it was was that if, in fact, you were successful in your goal through the Mexican Association Pro Silver AC, how rapidly would this affect other world currencies? Oh, I think that if any one country decides to do this, it will have a, a, an immediate catalyzing effect. Uh, it, it, it will precipitate, let's say, silver into money very rapidly because the thing is just waiting for, for one country to do this and then all the others are going to follow suit as soon as they see the, the beneficent effects, I would imagine. Now, are governments really interested in bene- beneficent effects? Sometimes I doubt it. But I think that the example would really would would propagate because it brings so many so many advantages. It brings so much satisfaction to people. Satisfying the population means putting out fires. You're putting out fires of dissatisfaction when you give people silver money. Now I've been I've been to Malaysia, uh, the Arab countries. Because of their religion, of the Islamic religion, they're not really opposed to gold and silver. That is part of their religion. The, the part of their religion is gold, a gold coin, which is called a, a dinar, and the silver coin, which is called a dirham. So the Islamic countries might well go over to, to uh, monetizing a silver coin. But I, I, I have suggested in Malaysia, I suggested to them that they use a one-tenth of an ounce, which is the weight of three grams, which is about the weight of the, of the Arab dirham, which was used all over North Africa and the Middle Ages and circulated in Europe even, that silver coin. So it circulated widely for a long time. And so the coin does not need to be an ounce. It could be a half an ounce or it could be a quarter or or even a tenth of an ounce. I think for China, for instance, they should monetize their silver because traditionally, for they for up until 19, the 30s, they were, a, they were a country using silver as money. That was their money, silver coins. So they could monetize a one-tenth of an ounce uh, silver coin, uh, which would be slightly larger than a dime, let's say. And since there are so many Chinese, that would be the, t- the ideal size for them, not a, not a a larger coin, such as a heavy one-ounce coin. And that would also be to the great satisfaction of the Chinese. And so I think that Russia should do it. Russia's having problems now. Europe is having problems. If the United States has its way, there'll be a war in Europe between the Europeans and the, and the Russians. And I don't, I'm very worried about that. But I think that President Putin could improve his image with Europe by putting out a Russian silver coin as money, wow, that would really set the Europeans back on their heels now that they're having such trouble with their with their euro. There's an alternative for their savings because the euro looks looks set to collapse, mm-hmm. what with Greece. And so if, if uh, Russia would offer Europe uh, a, a Russian silver coin, they'd snap that up right away and of course, the price of silver would, would rise, and so would the, the monetary value of the coin. So that is more than an economic measure. That's a geopolitical measure. And the, the problem is that in many circles, 
this is regarded, monetizing silver is regarded as an economic measure. It's not really that. It's a political measure. It's, and ideally, the issue of such a coin should come from a government treasury, not from the central bank. The central bank institution is, is rotten to the core and is, is bound for, to disappear, I think. Uh, I don't think it can be sustained past this crisis. And the issue of money is a state, is a, is a function of the state. It always has been, and always has been the first, the first thing that any of the great rulers has ever done is to stabilize the monetary system on, around gold or silver. And that has been forgotten and passed over to the central banks. And so now when the government, for instance, in the U.S. government, they want to talk about auditing the Fed, they say the government should not meddle with the Fed. How about that for a contradiction? It's the, the Fed that is doing something that is does not, none of their business, which is issuing money. Issuing money is a function of the state. That's where the, the, the Treasury should be the, in charge of that. And that's why I recommend that the... the monetizing silver should be done by the treasury, preferably not by the central bank, which is essentially hostile. I mean, you've kind of mentioned at this point, you've mentioned the, you know, the responsibility of the state, you've mentioned Russia, you've mentioned China. So given the recent sovereign gold purchases by the BRICS countries, Brazil, Russia, India, China, etc., do you think a new gold-linked monetary system to settle trade imbalances and for long-term savings is on the horizon? I hope so. I hope so. I don't see how our world can continue on the present course. We must return to settlement of trade automatically through gold because these instabilities cannot endure. Nature cannot sustain instabilities. Everything that is unstable comes to an end. Nature seeks stability. Just as it abhors a vacuum, it also abhors instability. Where there's, where there's too many people or too many of a species in a certain area, there, there, comes a, there comes a culling. And we cannot continue on this, on this course. We have to go to back to a stable world. It's not, not necessary. I mean, it's unavoidable. It's going to have to happen. The question is, will we go back to that stability? And what shape will we be when we go back to that stability? I mean... Uh, we're going to have to rebuild the world because so much that has been built, there's been an enormous waste of resources in the past 70 years, and we have to rebuild the world. I can't, I have no crystal ball, but it's un- inevitable that the present instability is going to come to an end and be replaced with stability. The question is, in what shape will the world be when we go back to that to stability? Now, Hugo, we all keep hearing that all fiat money will eventually fail, and when it does, the price of gold and silver will skyrocket. If this is so, will the price of precious metals eventually go into infinity, making gold and silver money and the U.S. dollar merely paper? Actually, when we go back to gold, no one will be talking about the price of gold because, you see, all the, all the paper will have vanished. As long as we have paper around, then then the central banks can get us talking about the price of gold. But the price of gold will become, will sort of vanish because you can't buy the gold with any paper. You have to have something. In other words, the price of gold will be many things. Will be how much sugar do you need? 
to to offer to get an ounce of gold? Uh, how much uh, copper do you need to offer to get an ounce of gold? How much uh, grain do you need to offer to get an ounce of gold? You, the price of gold will be the amount of things that are needed to buy it. There are many different prices of of all the different things that are used that will be used to obtain gold, but not paper. That's gone. Would the price of gold be? Forget it. It's it will have vanished with together with paper. What what is the price of a dollar in continental dollars? What you're saying makes perfect sense, Hugo. In other words, once we return to a gold standard, gold can no longer be valued in dollars and cents because the fiat money system no longer exists. The the the, the dollar will become a thing of the past. Is we don't we don't think in in Confederate dollars of the South. We don't think about the prices in them because it's gone. It's finished. Uh, you can't use that as a as a measure of anything. And the same thing is going to happen to the dollar. I mean, it's it's going to be irrelevant when gold is money. Again, recognized as money, you can't get it for papers. You have to you have to give something. You have to you have to be a producer of something in order to you have to you can offer your work or things, but you can't get it you can't get it by by offering this paper because the paper has gone out of use. It's become obsolete. So we forget about the price of gold. So gold gold will become very very important. Its purchasing power will increase enormously. That is what we should say. Not that the price of gold will go up. We should say the purchasing power of gold will increase enormously. Those who have gold will be able to afford and will be able to make investments which they presently cannot handle. A little gold will go a very long ways in helping you live mm-hmm. because the purchasing power will bring you a great deal of of all the essentials for daily life. That is what uh, the importance of gold, not its price. People will stop thinking about the price because the, the dollar and paper money, their era has passed and we're back to a fundamental a fundamental and real situation where if you want something, you have to give something in return, not a paper, uh, not a digit in a computer somewhere that has changed from being in your name to somebody else's name. No, that's not a that's not a payment. That is a fiction that we are living with, the trading digits among us. And by the way, I must include the Bitcoin there. But uh, we're going to have to go back to a period where we pay for things with things. And the thing that is most useful for paying for things is gold, followed by silver. It's the most marketable commodity. That is why it, is because it, had, it became money. Gold became money because it's the most marketable commodity with which you can pay for other things. Well, Hugo, I mean, one of the, the questions that come up and one of the fears, I guess, of people who own precious metals is looking back to the, the late 30s, 1929, late 30, when the, the U.S. government confiscated people's gold and silver. So the question is, how would you rate the potential risk of confiscation of precious metals in Mexico as well as in the rest of the world in the current state that we are in right now? No, I think that Mexico went through the Roosevelt period. There was never a period where you couldn't obtain gold on the street. 
or in the or at the banks. I remember as a young boy that there were sellers of gold on a certain street downtown, and you could buy any amount of gold you wanted. It was not illegal, absolutely. And so we never have suffered from from a, the, such a prohibition. And I think that it would be very very hard to implement and get any profitable result because we are accustomed here in Mexico to disregard stupid laws. We just don't pay attention to them. Unless we are absolutely forced to, we do not pay attention to, to stupid uh, rules. And that's why we survive, because we don't pay attention. And that's one of the problems in the States, that people pay too much attention. People are too obedient in the States. But when it comes to taking their gold and silver, I think the U.S. government is going to have a hard time getting it out of the hands of the public. Very hard. I don't think that will prosper at all. And here I don't think it would. I, I also do not think that the government would be so foolish as to try to carry out something which it can't do. So I'm not afraid of those risks. And in the United States, well, you judge your own your own. Uh, situation, your own countrymen, but I think that the knowledge of the value of gold and silver and their importance to the owners, to the present owners of those coins, and there are lots of them evidently because the sales of the silver ounce in the States have been tremendous in the last few years. It's not going to be possible to expropriate that. It just is not going to take place. So, Hugo, do you think the return of gold into the monetary system is the primary goal of BRICS countries, or is it an emergency plan for the day after the Western financial system collapses? Do you, are you optimistic that there's a peaceful transition? Is, is this possible? Well, no, I don't think so. I think that governments in power will continue on this road until it becomes absolutely impossible to do so. Nobody wants to upset the apple cart, how should I say, you know? Everybody wants to, to to maintain the status quo as long as possible. And, and nobody dares go in and propose something new because that would be upset everything that is already in place. So it's going to take a big crisis to bring us around. And now this firebrand, Alexis Tsipras in Greece, he's a 24-carat leftist socialist. <laughs> I mean, his his idea of how to run a country is guaranteed to be an absolute failure. But at the present time, he's he's going around like a, as if he had a torch in his hand into into the the dynamite warehouse of Europe, and the people in Europe are horrified because this guy is running around with his torch. And what is the torch? Is the torch is his refusal to pay the debts that Greece owes. And that can just bust up the whole of Europe, because after Greece comes Italy and Spain, and that Europe cannot stand that. It will mean the end of the euro. So the end of the euro, which might take place any day, with this madman running around, it's curious to see Keynesians attacked by the leftists. They're, they're, they're both varieties of the same uh, controlling type, mm-hmm. and they're both now... The Keynesians are horrified at this leftist, and it's really amusing. And the whole thing may blow up any time, and maybe out of the ruins, maybe something 
based on gold might arise, maybe. But so, I think it will take a big crisis. So that being said, Hugo, I mean, how do you think this will play out as far as Greece is concerned? Do you, do you think that they will agree with, to their terms? Or is there, are we actually looking at the possibility that Greece will leave and likewise, you know, the, the European Union will finally will essentially collapse at that point? Nobody knows how long this leftist that has promised that he's going to get rid of, that, of, of the debt, how can he go back on it? Maybe he will cave or maybe he won't. That's the big question. Is he going to cave or not? Because if he doesn't, that's the end of the euro. Let, let's stay tuned for the, the next episode, okay? The next question is, is talking about China. And we know in terms of China being the largest consumer of gold in the world, and likewise, we see a number of things happening that may suggest that China and Russia are working to almost devalue the American uh, currency and likewise remove it out of their uh, their holdings. But looking at the at Chinese currency, what do you think would happen to gold if China devalues the yuan by say 25% overnight for in, in a hypothetical situation? What do you think would happen in the, in that situation? Gosh, I I don't don't have any idea. One thing, countries that are buying gold are preparing for a war. That has always been one of the signs of, of coming war. Really? Yes. Before World War I, Russia was buying gold. And was, that was taken note of by the Germans, and they considered it that, that that was a sign that they were preparing for war. And the war did materialize later on. Well, I think that this uh, preparation of buying gold indicates clearly that there's going to be a big disagreement eventually between the Russians and the Chinese, and that disagreement might signify a war. And nobody wants to have the, uh, the, the enemy's currency as your currency uh, and your reserves when you're in a war. You want something that is independent of your, uh, of your enemy, right? And that's, that can only be gold. So this purchase of gold by Russia and China and other countries indicates that there is growing doubts about the universality of the dollar and the, the universal appreciation of the dollar as currency is now in doubt. That's why there are, their countries are buying gold because they see that the dollar is too unstable and it's not a firm enough basis in case of a crisis. The countries want to have something on which they can rely on their own resources, and that means they must have their reserves of gold. Uh, that's my opinion, anyway. Well, Hugo, we'd really like to thank you today for joining us here on Ask the Expert. Thanks, Jeff. I hope you find it useful. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us here on Ask the Expert. For Spa Money News, this is Jeff Rutherford. Have a great day.